0: chapter 10. Up to this time, the gospel had been preached only to the Jews, Samaritans, who shared a Jewish ancestry, and an Ethiopian eunuch. With the conversion of Cornelius and his household, Gentiles were now granted repentance that leads to eternal life. Because the law of Moses for generations had forbid socializing with Gentiles, it took a series of miraculous events to help Jewish Christians realize that they should no longer consider those of other nations as common or unclean. We are told about Cornelius, a Roman soldier in Caesarea who was extremely religious. His fervent prayers and charity to the poor, though not saving him, were noticed by God. In a vision, an angel of God instructed him to send men for Peter who would tell him what he needed to do. As Cornelius' men were on their way, Peter had a vision in which the Lord told him to kill and eat unclean animals. When he refused, Peter was told what God has cleansed no one should call common or unclean. As Peter contemplated the vision, the Spirit told him that three men will seek him with whom he should go without doubting. The men arrived and informed Peter about Cornelius. The next day, Peter and some brethren from Joppa accompanied them back to Caesarea. When he arrived, Peter found a waiting audience in the home of Cornelius. Cornelius fell down and worshipped at Peter's feet but was kindly rebuked for doing so. Peter then explained how he has learned not to call any man common or unclean, and Cornelius related his vision and charge to send for Peter. Now that Peter was there, Cornelius, along with his family and friends, were ready to hear the things Peter had been commanded by God to say, perceiving that God was no respecter of persons, but now accepts people from every nation who fear him, and that work righteousness, Peter proclaimed the gospel of Christ. He summarized the ministry of Jesus in Judea, his crucifixion and his resurrection from the dead, who was seen by witnesses who ate and drank with him. These same witnesses were commanded by God to preach that Jesus was ordained to be the judge of the living and the dead. Also, the prophets bore witness that those who believed in him would receive remission of sins. As Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. The Jewish brethren who had accompanied Peter were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as evidenced by their speaking in tongues. Peter saw the clear implication of these events, that Gentiles also could be saved and become part of the church. Thus he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 10, verses 1-2 to There is a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Cornelius was a God-fearer. That is, he was one of the many Gentiles who were greatly attracted to the moral, ethical, and spiritual aspects of Judaism. Many of them attended the synagogue and were instructed in the scriptures and even observed Sabbath and, to some extent, the Jewish dietary laws. They drew the line, however, becoming full proselytes by circumcision, baptism, and sacrifice. The Holy Spirit underlines three things about this very fine person, Cornelius. He mentions his faith. He was a devout man and one that feared God. Cornelius lived up to the light that he had. When more light was given, he responded to it instantly. He did not yet know Christ, but he feared God. If he did not yet know the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit certainly knew him and wrote him down as a devout, God-fearing man. He mentions also his family. He feared God with all his house. This veteran soldier, hardened in a rigorous school, brought his family and those dependent on him to like faith in the living God. Not for them, the pagan gods of Greece and Rome, their faith was directed to the true and living God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then, too, the Holy Spirit mentions his fervor. He gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Faith without works is dead, James tells us in James chapter 2, verse 26. This man, Cornelius, exhibited his faith Godward by his works manward. Cornelius was a generous man. In his acts of charity towards the poor and towards the needy. All that was in addition to a disciplined devotional life as manifested in his regular prayer to the living God of Israel. Acts 10 verses 3 to 4. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God. The ninth hour was three o'clock in the afternoon, the very hour Jesus had died, the time of the evening sacrifice and the hour of public prayer in the temple. The appearance of the angel frightened this seasoned Roman veteran, but his alarm was immediately stilled. The angel knew his name and knew about his spiritual exercise. He told Cornelius that his prayers and alms had been ascended to God like the fragrance, of the Hebrew burnt offering. Now verses 5 to 6. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. And he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. The Lord knew all about Peter. The herald angel was able to give Cornelius exact instructions for finding Peter. God never forgets a name never loses an address, never makes a mistake, never has a moment's hesitation in knowing where we are and what we are doing. There is something immensely comforting in that to God's saints. He who tracks the journeyings of a hundred billion stars in each of a hundred million galaxies, who knows the path, the history, and the destiny of every speck of dust in the cosmic space, knows all about me. In all my comings and goings, by land, sea, and air, he knows exactly where to find me at any time he wants. He knows how to send people across my path and into my life to fulfill his own purposes. Nothing is more interesting in the book of Acts than to see how God keeps track of men. Does he need a man to meet an Ethiopian traveling at high speed away from Jerusalem with a great longing in his soul? He knows where Philip lives. Does he need a man to find blind Saul of Tarsus on the street called Straight? He knows where Ananias lives. Does he need a man to give the gospel to a good but still unregenerate Roman centurion? He knows where Peter's at. If a man had a choice to go and hear one of God's saints preach, or go hear an angel preach, Cornelius could tell them what to do. Go and hear the man. He would say, I heard an angel, and he told me to send... For Peter, now verses 7 to 8. And when the angel which had spoken unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Two servants and a soldier were selected at once and briefed on their commission. The word used to describe the way Cornelius communicated his experience is an interesting one. He declared all these things, it says. It means to make known by expounding. It is the word used by John to describe the Lord's mission on earth. Cornelius evidently was very careful to make known to his messengers exactly what had happened and why Peter was needed. Cornelius would be familiar enough with Jewish sensibilities and prejudices against social contact, even with God-fearing Gentiles, to appreciate the need for making the extraordinary circumstances clear and plain. Verses 9 to 10. On the morrows they went on their journey. They drew nigh into the city. Peter went up upon this housetop to pray about the sixth hour. He became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. The scene now moves from Caesarea to Joppa and from one Cornelius to Peter. It was noon. Peter had retired to the top of the roof of his host's house, to enjoy the breeze from the sea and a few minutes of peace and quiet, in which to commune with his Lord in heaven. This time he was overcome with hunger. It was lunchtime. The fact that it was also prayer time made no difference. All Peter could think about was his need to eat. While waiting for food to be prepared, he manfully sought again to compose his thoughts to prayer. It is interesting to observe how all things were together for good, Peter was thinking about food. God used food as the basis for this vision that now fell upon him. Far from being put out by Peter's wandering thoughts, he used them as the basis of the revelation now to be made. Verse 10, And he became hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth were in all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air, came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision, which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate, and called, and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. Peter was wide awake now. Above him the sun shone over the sky, and he could see the great sea, its horizon stretching farther and farther away to the west and the Gentile nations though the mighty Roman Empire. Down below could be heard the sounds of the tanner and his men busy at their dubious trade, and up from the kitchen wafted the smell of food. But Peter's mind was occupied with his vision, a sheet from heaven, all kinds of creatures, clean and unclean. Now all declared clean and destined for heaven. What could it mean? Surely it did not mean that animals of all kinds were to be taken to heaven. Surely it meant that some radical change had taken place in the Levitical ritual law. But was that all it meant? So Peter doubted himself and was perplexed. How many times in seeking to do the Lord's work we have found ourselves in that very same place, perplexed. So the Holy Spirit prepares Peter for this missionary journey. Peter is in prayer on the housetop. He becomes very hungry and is placed in a trance. A sheet let down from heaven contains every kind of unclean beast, bird, and bug. Peter is instructed to slay and eat. He calls the Holy Spirit Lord, but contradicts in his address by refusing to eat. As a Jew, he had never eaten any unclean thing even after Pentecost. Peter wonders about the dream until the knock at the door and the messengers from Cornelius explain their mission. The Holy Spirit instructs Peter to go with them. So when they arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was waiting for them with his relatives and his friends. The faith Cornelius displayed in calling together all these people to hear someone he had been told to send for in a vision speak some strange message to them it was incredible faith displayed by Cornelius. It was the third day since a vision of the sheet full of what God was trying to say to him about the Gentiles coming into the blessings of the gospel, thus the message was first preached to them in the house of Cornelius. Acts ten thirty 30-32 And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. The Holy Spirit goes over all the events in this section of Acts. Peter's vision was detailed for us, and then told all over again by Peter himself later. The visit of the angel to Cornelius was detailed for us, and then the story was told again by Cornelius himself. The Holy Spirit wants to impress upon us the importance of these events in Acts chapter 10. A monumental change was about to take place. The middle wall partition between the Jew and the Gentile, Ephesians 2.14, was to be broken down, and Gentiles were to become members of the church in full equality with the Jews. Ephesians 2.14, For he is our peace who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Verse 15, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. The middle wall of partition was being broken down. Gentiles were to become members of the church in full equality with the Jews. Verses 34-35, to 35, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And Matthew Henry said this about verse 34. God is no respecter of persons. Peter preached to Cornelius and his friends. It is intimated that he expressed himself with a great deal of solemnity and gravity, but with freedom. Prior to this, the mouths of the apostles had been shut to the uncircumcised Gentiles, and they had nothing to say to them. But now God gave unto them, as he did to Ezekiel, the opening of the mouth. God shows no partiality. His gospel is offered to all. God is no respecter of persons. Verses 43-44 to 44, To give all the prophets witness, That through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. read those verses again, Acts 10 43 44. To give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Before Peter could finish speaking, look what happened. The Gentiles drinking in the gospel word by word like a dry and thirsty land drinking in the rain, believed already. They believed every word of it. Their hearts long prepared by the Holy Spirit were completely receptive. Suddenly just as Peter got the words out, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins, down came the Holy Spirit. With this descent of the Holy Spirit on the Gentile believers, the mystery of the church was completed. The middle wall partition between Jew and Gentile was broken down. From now on in the church, the Lord Jesus made in himself of twain one new man. The Gentiles were no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, Ephesians 2.19. This has been labeled the Gentile Pentecost. Peter is astonished that Gentiles too have the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. It is made audible by their speaking in tongues in verse 46. The tongues were of an evidence to Peter and to the other apostles that God would save Gentiles. Without this sign falling upon the Gentiles in the same way as it did at Pentecost, it is doubtful the other Jews would have ever received the Gentiles as fellow heirs of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Acts chapter 10, verse 45. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water, that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And then he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Look at verse 47. Can any man forbid water, that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now notice, they have received the Holy Ghost. They were saved. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon all of them, which heard the word. They were saved. The Holy Spirit was residing inside of them. They were saved. They were children of God. Then Peter sees that they are saved, sees the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them. He says they need to be baptized. They were baptized after salvation. Now he knows this passage here, makes it very clear that baptism is not part of salvation. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost? They had received. They were saved. They were already saved. They weren't getting saved. They weren't needing to complete their salvation. They were saved. They had already been saved.